This is a HeadGum Podcast. In 86, Anna Martin wrote the first book of what became a cult. Now it's time for Babysitter's Club Club. Hey, Jack. Yeah. Tell Baby Nation what time it is. It's 9.22. Uh-huh. Tell them what time I was ready to record. 8.30. 8 o'clock. 8.30. Tell them what else about your house, Jack. It's empty. It's empty. Why? Because I'm leaving. Where are you going? Austin, Texas. Why? I don't know, man. But it's definitely too late because I've emptied my house of all of my belongings except for... Call it off. This podcasting equipment. Jack. My big, bright sunray. Jack, call it off. <laughs> Like, I get it. Your point is made. Just call it off. Call it off. Yeah. All right. <laughs> All right. You're going to treat me better from now on? Yes. <laughs> Start paying attention? Yes. All right. We read a book today, Tanner. Yep. Literally. <laughs> yeah. Both of us read it today. Today. Yeah. Um, it was a very long book. Oh, yeah. We also made the mistake of waiting until the day of record to read a 240-page book. Yeah. Normally... You can kind of fly by the seat of your pants a little bit, get in a little reading in the subway, kind of in between things, uh, but not when Nola Thacker puts her mind to something. Not when old Nola's in town. <laughs> not when Nola's in town. When Nola's in town, she gets uh, verbose. What are you looking at? Tweets? Funny memes? Oh, yeah, the cover. <laughs> That's not what I expected Lou to look like. The cover is a scene yeah. in the book. Hodges uh, faithfully rendered the possibly the most striking scene in this novel. Who are those kids? Linny and Hanny? Yeah, that's a very faithful rendering. It's a scene in the book where Lou... But this is Shannon, and that's Boo Boo. Yep. So they're at the Watson Brewer's house. Sorry, Brewer Thomas's house. <laughs> yep, <laughs> yeah, the Watson Brewer house. Um, uh-huh. One of them is Karen, probably? Nope, Karen's not in this tableau. Hanny, An- Linny, Shannon, Boo Boo, Lou, Christy. Uh, Baby Nation... Tanner is naming things in a picture that you can't see. But you can all go look at it. Um, and I know how... Look up BSC number 62, Christy and the Worst Kid Ever, which happened to be the book that we read this week. Hi, hi. My name is Tanner Greenring. Hi, hi. My name is Jack Shepard. And welcome to the Babysitter's Club. Club. Hub, a podcast. No, that's it. We did it. Oh, wait. No, you're right. Karen. In which we read... Okay. All right. You're a vamping. new book... Mm-hmm. Every week mm-hmm. from the Sitter Cycle by Anne M. Martin. By Anne Matthews Martin. I don't. I don't. Stormborn. Like... Yeah. Stormwalker. Bane to bats. Sanctified. First of her name. Last of her kind. Last hope for humankind. As stated this week, we read Christie and the Worst Kid Ever. Yeah. Good. Clean. Babysitting. Fun. Yeah. You I liked it. <laughs> I'm just dumbfounded. That I handled that so competently? We haven't had you introduce the show for probably... Well, you know, you've been taking your time all night. It's 9.30 at night, Jack, uh-huh. on a weeknight. <laughs> Some of us have to get to bed. Some of us have to go to work tomorrow. Some of us aren't moving to fucking Texas <laughs> Some tomorrow. Some of us have to move tomorrow. Mm, don't worry, Baby Nation. Uh, Jack's not moving tomorrow. He's going to pack up his stuff. But then on Saturday, we're going to play D&D all day. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. I've got a very busy fucking schedule. Yeah. It involves packing all of my stuff and then playing, playing D&D, D&D literally all day. hours. 
uh, our D&D group very kindly uh, moved the D&D to be a D&D brunch. Right. So that I could have a going away evening at the bar. Which we're all also coming to. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. D&D brunch. That's very nice. Yeah. It's very mature. I bet they don't do that sort of thing in Texas. Oh, I've, we lost him, Baby Nation. We lost him. I was having a convo with him. I and was looking at my notes. Something and I'm happened on chapter on his one, phone. and the first line is about the Wizard of Oz and Dorothy. Yeah, and it just occurred to me that that comes back in later. Yeah, it does. I have yeah. a whole section on okay. Wizard of Oz. Can't wait to hear it. There's a lot we have to talk about. Um, Christy and the Worst Kid Ever is the book we read this week. Uh-huh. Uh huh. It was good, clean babysitting fun. Mm-hmm. It was a little dark at times, but in a way that just added a lot of interest and color. Which is a, color is another thing that features strongly in this book. Yeah, there's a lot of talk of color, which, as we know in the Sitterverse, uh, is pretty important, uh, particularly to Anne's magic system. Right. And there's a lot of talk of Wizard of Oz, uh, of doorways between worlds, like Bioshock, a, a lot like Bioshock, the right. video game. There's also a lot of plants. Yeah, flowers. A lot of flowers. It's another another important. This is a mythology rich episode. Yeah, we're heading into. Yeah, is what you're saying. Yeah. Um. So I think that's first those... morbid of destiny mentioned in probably fifty books. Yeah. Um. And the ghosts are back. And the ghosts are back. Woo. So uh, it looks like we're headed for a fairly mythology heavy discussion. Rich with mythology, baby nation. If you're not into those episodes, tune out now. <laughs> Go listen to the Gilmore guys, <laughs> who I guess at this point are our, are our partners. Yeah, they're in the family. Wow. Go listen to... Do we get paid for saying, go listen to the Gilmore guys? I think so. Oh, that's sweet. Get a bonus. <laughs> go listen to Overdue yeah. on the HeadGum Network. Go listen to Who Weekly. Go listen to Who Weekly. For Christ's sake, it's so good. <laughs> Bobby and Lindsay. Woo. Love those guys. friends. We're literal life, friends. Who recommended we join the HeadGum Network. Yeah. And then we did. Yeah. Here we are now. We don't know what it's like <laughs> yet because we just signed the contract yeah. today. So. Probably by the time you hear this, we'll know so what it's fun. like. Yeah. Remember that scene in Breaking Bad where that guy was laying on the pallet of money? Uh-huh. That's us. <laughs> I don't even know what to do with it. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Are we going to have to like dissolve a body in a uh-huh. bathtub full of acid? I'm going to dissolve my body in a bathtub <laughs> full of acid. It's very cleansing. <laughs> wow. Well, this took a turn. Um, you know what we could do to steer? Hey, oh, or are you in charge now? Oh yeah, is that okay? Sure, man. You, it's your show. Okay, great. Jack. Yeah. Did you have any notes this week? Do you mean? Do you want me to describe the book? No, I want to know if you took any notes. Yeah, I took a ton of notes. Great. Do you want to describe the book? Yeah. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> do you want to describe the book in one sentence or less? Wait, we shouldn't just dive in. What do you mean? This is our last record together. Well, we're sitting here in your empty apartment. Mm-hmm. This is all we have. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're going to keep recording, Baby Nation. Um, we've recorded several episodes over Skype. It works very well. Our banter remains relatively intact. Mm-hmm. But some would say that because Tanner has to use his phone to look at my face, he can't use his phone to look at literally anything else. And in fact, our Skype records are more engaged. Right. Yeah, I don't love that. I'm going to have to figure <laughs> out. Get a different phone, I guess. Yeah. Distraction finds a way. Yeah. <laughs> to quote Jurassic Park. Okay. But rest assured, Baby Nation, mm-hmm. that we're going to keep going. Yeah. 
this is not even a setback. If anything, it's a set forward. Uh huh. Yeah. Every crisis is an opportunity. Right. Um, we did talk yesterday a little bit about we could just both find new co-hosts uh-huh. and split the podcast in half. Uh-huh. I don't know who would keep the name. Well, there's four words in the name. Yeah. Okay. I I I choose Baby Club. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, we're counting babysitter as one word. Each person gets a word. I'm the babysitter. Oh, okay. And you can be Club Club. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. I would listen to that show. Yeah. Club Club. Yeah. Both on the Headgum Network. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That'll Double surprise the him. too. Yeah. Shit. Good idea. Yeah. Hi, hi, and welcome to Club Club, a podcast in which I, Jack, no, you only get one hi, and I, Tex. <laughs> oh, that's cool. <laughs> Talk I'll about the here. Welcome to the Babysitter. Uh, <laughs> with me, uh, Tanner Greenring. Hey, and me, uh, York. I'm walking here. <laughs> Give me a bagel with some schmear. In which we each talk about half of a babysitter's club book. <laughs> hey, I'm walking here. <laughs> Forget about it. Well, Jack, we've done half of uh, we've done half of the book. I guess they're gonna have to listen to the babysitter to find out what happens on the rest of it. I think babysitter would come first. <laughs> We would release at 8 o'clock on Mondays, and yeah. the, club, the Club Club would release at 9 o'clock on Mondays. Oh, okay. We do the second half. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Good. Good. That would be bad. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I like this New York guy. I like York. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's cool. Oh, man. Yeah, they'll put us out of business. York and Tex will figure out they can just do Skype records together and oh, cut shit. us out of the whole thing. What would they even call it? <laughs> they would just take over the babysitter. Yeah. Club club. Headgum would be like, hey, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Really love this new direction you're going in. <laughs> Tex and York are huge fan favorites. <sighs> All the advertisers just want Tex and York. <laughs> Thank you for everything you've done. Yeah. Please bow out gracefully. Yeah. <laughs> Well, until that time. Until that time, we're going to keep recording forever, yeah. Baby Nation. Yeah. Rest assured. There's just so much. Now we're doing Babysitter's Club Mysteries. Oh, yeah. <laughs> My heart skipped a beat when I started looking. get those Gilmore guys on. Oh, yeah. Yeah, get those Gilmore guys on. Who Weekly on. Yeah. They'd read a book. They'd read a book. Maybe Who Weekly can get us some, some celebs on. Maybe because oh, they, so? they Who Weekly, Baby Nation, is a headgum podcast about celebs so they probably know and see like, like d-list celebs yeah oh okay well maybe even easier <laughs> to get we could probably get one of the girls who played a babysitter in the babysitter's club movie oh wow we could probably get one of the gilmore girls what or are guys. they doing or one guys the guys <laughs> they're right here on the network yeah we get the whole gilmore family friend of the podcast yeah. Gilmore guys wow never met them Yep, love those but guys. Love them. <laughs> Jackie. Jackie. Recap this book for me. I will. After I do it, will you recap the book? Okay, who's in charge here? Okay, I'll start. Lou McNally is broken. She is broken by the mother who abandoned her. She is broken by the father who wanted to stay but was taken before his time. She is broken by the loss of everyone and everything that she has ever loved. 
Christy Thomas is resilient. She has been abandoned as well, and she knows that some wounds never heal. But when the vastly different worlds of these two young women collide, they both find themselves unable to voice their shared pain across the void of their loss. This devastating novel about shattered lives paints a dark but vivid picture of despair and heartbreak that will be forever etched in your memory. Also, there's a great part at the end where Hunky Cam Theory donates his jacket for the school auction and Marianne gets to wear it. Christy, and the worst kid ever. It's a sad one. It wasn't sad. It was, it, it was empowering. It was good. Have you ever heard the Tim McGraw song, Live Like You Were Dying? Yeah, I've heard you karaoke that, it. Yeah. <laughs> that is what Lou McNally does. Yeah. She goes skydiving. She goes Rocky Mountain climbing. She goes 2.7 seconds on a bull named Fu Manchu. Mm-hmm. He loves deeper. Mm-hmm. She talks sweeter. Mm-hmm. She gives forgiveness. And someday, mm-hmm. she hopes that you, Jack, yeah. get the chance mm-hmm. to live like you were dying. Oh, wow. I kind of skimmed this one today because I had to read it real fast. Why? Uh because I had a lot of shit to do. To do Including it, what? Moving all of my shit out of here. Mm-hmm. Um, so I missed that part. The the bull? She rides a bull? Metaphorically. Oh, okay. She, to rewrite, to quickly rewrite the lyrics to Tim McGraw's song, she puts a cat in a pillowcase <laughs> yeah. and swings it around wildly. Yep. Um, she walks on the hood and roof of a car. Yep. She destroys a clubhouse. Mm-hmm. She talks sweeter. She loves deeper. Yeah. And she gives forgiveness. And she hopes that one day you, Tanner, yeah, will live like you were dying. Live like you were dying. Yeah. I think it's empowering, man. Yeah. She's just taking life by the horns. Well, you know what T.S. Eliot says? Tell me. We're all dying with a little patience. <laughs> Upbeat. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's where Tim McGraw got it from. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was his... Uh, Dad, baseball Hall of Famer Tug McGraw. Okay, when he um, suffered from and died from cancer. Okay, uh, but good. Maybe it was Elliot. Yeah, or baseball Hall of Famer Tug McGraw. You want me to go? Uh, I want you to um, describe this book. I want you to do it within sixty total seconds. And the way that I'll we're going best. to judge that is, I'm going to put sixty seconds on this big bad clock that I have here. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I start, you start. When I stop, you stop. Down for that? Yep. All right, Tanner, what happened in this book? Begin now. Okay, Stony Brook Middle School is getting new computers, and there's a big uh, donation thing where there's a uh, auction, and everyone donates different things. Cokie Mason's dad donates a three-minute shopping spree at the um, local CD shop, and the girls uh, need to match that, do something better, so they get a bunch of celebrities to donate a bunch of stuff. Meanwhile, this bad girl named Lou moves into town, uh, because the Papadakis' take her as a foster child. And she's very naughty, and she's very mean, but, you know, she's she's damaged from growing up in the foster care system. Um, she plays Monopoly with the kids and has this very good strategy about this kind of, like, uh, forgotten rule of Monopoly, which is the housing shortage rule, which is, like, there's only 32 houses in Monopoly, so if you build up all your properties with houses and you never convert to hotels... Uh, you can monopolize the housing oh, market in good. Monopoly. 
And when all the houses run out, people need to come to you as the housing mogul. And time. To, wait, no. This is very complex. No. They need can't. to come to you as the housing mogul, and you can auction off your own houses and properties for cash or for more properties, saying, like, sure, I'll give up houses and convert to hotels, which, like, benefits You're you anyway. way over your but, time. I know, but it's a very important strategy to Monopoly. <laughs> and then you can – so you can get extra properties in cash and still convert to a hotel and give up houses that way. It's a very, very good strategy, and it's how Lou won that game of Monopoly. It was a cool moment. It's at like 10 seconds in this book. I know, but I did a lot of research into it. Because <laughs> she says very plainly, like, hotels are for dummies. Houses are the way to go. And she still won. And she came into the game losing because she took over Christie's right, spot losing in the position. game. Yeah. And she won. And I was like, how did she do that? And I did, honestly, about 45 minutes of research. Wow. I watched videos on YouTube. <laughs> I looked on board game forums, and I was like, I want to know more about this. And it's it's called the housing shortage strategy. Great. That's good stuff, man. Yeah. I'm not sure that the recap of this book was the best place for all for you to dump all oh, that right. knowledge. We lost, a few, uh, we lost a few things, didn't we, in there? I don't know. I just can't stop thinking about this strategy. It's very good. The, the kid is bad. She's good at Monopoly. She's bad at uh, being a good girl. Or she's got a zest for life. She's, yeah, okay, fine. She's got a zest for life. She's very, very difficult, and it's because her daddy died. Her dad died. Her mom abandoned her. Yeah. Her brother is taken away. Mm-hmm. Her dog ran away. God, it all feels very familiar to me right now. Your dog might run away. My faithful companion might run away. Yep, fair. Uh, but in the end... I might go find Princess Kitty Face right now. <laughs> Stuff her in a pillow sack. <laughs> swing her around a little bit. That was a difficult scene. Hodges, it is worth, Baby Nation, it is worth having a look. Hodges really captures that scene with his typical flair. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a pretty wild moment in the book. It's not what I expected Lou to look like. Hodges did not capture her androgyny well. Because when she first comes on the scene... Right, she has like spiky hair. Right, no one is quite sure of her gender. Right. Um, well, the, the... Here's something, though. She states clearly in the text many, many times that she hates pink. Right. But Hodges has portrayed her in pink overalls. Well, typical Hodges. With pink shoes. Hodges. Hodges. You just have to be subversive, huh, Hodges? Hodges is just like, yeah, yeah, I got it, and it's a girl, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just I think pink it's from head to toe. Yeah. Scholastic lawyers sent Hodges a... a brief and they're like she's a typical tomboy hates pink oh wow and hodges is just like very contrarian wow he's like she hates pink so much that she embraces it was hodges rebelling against the scholastic lawyers or against lou herself he's like oh you hate pink well wait till i paint you for eternity i think it'd be pretty petty for a (laughs) artist in his 30s to rebel against a Eight-year-old child, but well, fictional eight-year-old child. <laughs> but yeah, maybe you're right. Um, well, here we are, two artists in our thirties, talking about an eight-year-old fictional child, and particularly Tanner mm. about color. Mm. This book is a rainbow of colors. I want you now to draw one example, okay, of each of the colors of the rainbow, Roy G. Biv. <laughs> As they're mentioned in this text, red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet. I think I can get all of those except indigo if I searched in the text. 
Indigo's kind of made up anyway. Yeah. Yeah, that's no one's ever seen indigo. It's I think indigo is one of those colors that you just like is like beyond the human eye to comprehend. I will literally reach into my pocket right now. Yeah. And give you a hundred dollars if you can name each of the lanterns and their relationship with the colors of the rainbow. Red lanterns are uh they were like rage lanterns. Rage is right. Okay. That's their thing. Uh green lanterns Orange. Roy G. Biv. Oh, I see. Orange lanterns. Um, their thing is uh, that they um, are they live a life of the mind. Uh, yellow. Uh, yellow lanterns. Yeah. Um, they are um, invisible. Um, green lanterns are the good ones. Yep. Um, blue lanterns are like mercurial, mercurial and difficult to pin down and like chaotic. Right. And I mean that's not right, but indigo lanterns, no one, no one knows. They're no just mysterious. Right. And then violet lanterns are, um, they're just very friendly. Right. Very friendly. Yeah. Wrong. I get it. Wrong. Almost across the board. <laughs> I got red, red right. range, orange, avarice, yellow, fear, <laughs> green, will, blue, hope, indigo, compassion, violet, love. Oh. Uh, okay. Well, I said friendly. And most of them are bad guys, weirdly. Oh, really? Yeah. The only really good ones are are, uh, green and blue. The yellow lanterns are more commonly known as the Sinestro Corps. Maybe that's what threw you off. This has nothing to do with this book, Indigo aren't called the lanterns. You're pulling me away from this. Um, Did you not notice this? the pinks are called the... Nope. The violets are called the star sapphires. This is Is not... Is that what threw you off? Look, you and York can do a fucking podcast... About green lantern, the green oh about the God, lantern I colors. Love that so, yeah, fucking much. Great, but until such a time, yeah. you and I are going to talk about the Babysitters Club. Okay, um, insist. And specifically, I was thinking Anne's flower slash color magic. Okay, <laughs> I captured some notes on flowers. Okay, pansies. Yep. Emily Michelle is wandering on the around the yard in the first chapter. In the first chapter, picking things up and handing them to Christy. Mm-hmm. Among the things she picks up uh-huh. is a little tag indicating that there are pansies uh-huh. growing in a certain part of the garden. Uh-huh. Moments later, she picks up a tag for sweet alyssum uh-huh. growing in another part of the garden. Yep. That's all I captured with flower magic. Yeah, I mean, all I can tell you uh, is that pansies is from uh, comes from the Latin pensare, which means think. Okay, nothing there. What okay. about sweet a serum. Alyssum is Alyssum. from the Greek alusos, which means curing madness. So nothing there either, huh? You think? Okay. I mean, did you get something? Nope. I just wrote that down. Think? Think? Curing madness. And curing this is madness. coming from a language-delayed right. young that's what, child. That's what Emily Michelle is trying to tell us. First, she's saying think. She's saying this to Christy. She's saying this to Christy. She holds up a... a Little tag for flowers that tells her, think. Think. And we know that flowers are potent symbols in these books. Then the next thing is Christy doesn't get it. Christy's like, all right, Emily Michelle. And the next thing she does is she holds up a little tag that says, in flower language. Right. Curing madness. Mm. You have more flower stuff? Does, does this breadcrumb trail go even deeper? Claudia is wearing purple and red flowers okay. in her hat. Violets? I think pansies are violet. Okay. In color, but I could be wrong about that. 
Um, and then purple comes up a lot. So if we map this to the the lantern universe, yeah, Claudia is wearing colors of compassion and mm. rage. Okay, in her hat. Wow, is that anything? <laughs> I don't know. What color is sweet alyssums? Um, Should I look it up? No, I didn't look it up. Should I? Sure, man. Sweet alyssum. I'm going to grab another beer. Oh, my God. What? They're white. Oh, wow. Okay. There we go. There's so, two, listen. There's two lanterns that I neglected to tell you about. Right. Do you know them? The, like, off-the-spectrum lantern. Yeah, two of them. And the... The white light of life mm-hmm. and the black light of death. Oh. Sweet alyssums are white. Well, and we this is we don't need necessarily even to delve into lantern world. I don't understand. <laughs> and pansies, on the other hand, are so deep purple. Yeah, that one might think that they could be confused for black. Oh wow! Do you see that? I'm showing Jack a picture, of Baby Nation. It's a dark a pansy on my phone. It's a very, very dark purple. Yeah, that's beautiful. Thank it's you. lovely. I think Anne is making a direct comparison to. Look at this one. Literally black. Oh yeah, so some of them have little black, little black splotches. I think D- Anne's probably drawing our attention right to the Green Lantern universe <laughs> with this. How could she not be? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so she's just trying. She's trying to talk about what? Oh my God. Well, let's see. 1992. Kyle mm. Radner was probably our Green Lantern at the time. Oh wow. Okay. No. 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 Okay. No, 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 no. You don't no. want to go down no. that path. No. <laughs> He's an artist. His uh, hard light projections were usually kind of had like an artistic flair to them. Very creative. Tanner, inside of the Babysitter's Club universe, yeah. Anne has created an intricate system of flower-related magic and color-related magic. Right. I'm familiar. That has its own logic. White is usually powerful magic. We know this from Babysitter's Club Number, I'm going to say seven, Christie's Big Day. Yeah. When the white magics and the dark magics crash, and Karen Brewer is the only one who can prevent it. Right. That is a book where Morbid of Destiny appears as well. We also know that purple is a fairly important color in general. In sure, man. I feel like purple orb is your bread theory. <laughs> you see it everywhere, you can't quite make sense of it yet. But you're pretty sure there's something there. What's wrong with the playhouse? Asked Nancy. Nothing, said Karen loudly. We can paint it with blue and pink. And if we mix them together, we'll get purple. purple. Right. Shouted Hanny. Yeah. And then later, as Christy is looking for things to sell in the auction. Right. She goes into the attic where they have a run-in with <laughs> Ben Brewer. Old Ben Brewer. Right. Who shows them the way... To a small bag containing Mm -hmm. an orb. Oh, really? An orb that happens to match the interior of Karen's playhouse, which we know to be purple. The orb is a bowling ball. Oh, yeah. That Nani had neglected and put in the attic. So you saw a purple orb as well. Karen said, oh, that's perfect. Let's ask Nani if we can put it in the playhouse. It will match perfectly. We know that the playhouse is purple. 
Yeah, right. From the passage you just read. Yep. And Karen is claiming that this bowling ball... Right. Which they say is pink in the text. Right. But she says it matches the playhouse perfectly. Which is purple. Which is purple. Well, let me add one more little piece of fuel to that fire. Okay. In your favorite Monopoly section of this book... <laughs> uh, so... This actually stood out to me. And look, I'll uh, I'll agree with you. The purple orb stuff. Hey, new baby bees. Sorry. <laughs> it's all We're, purple orbs. It's, it's all purple orbs. <laughs> purple orb stuff, it, it is my bread theory. I haven't fully fleshed out what this what it is. That's not fair because then I feel like you – that implies that I haven't fully fleshed out bread theory. I think that's – But I have. Oh, but you just can't reveal it. Not yet. Okay. Well, I – It be too dangerous. Okay. Baby Nation's not ready. <laughs> if I told you everything I know about bread theory, yeah. it would be like that scene in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Everyone would be like jogging in the park or like <laughs> riding the subway, and all of a sudden their fucking faces would melt off. And the FBI would be like, what just caused <laughs> hundreds of people's faces to melt off? A lot of listeners. Across the U.S. Of the Babysitter's Club Club. Yeah. Yeah. T- tens. Tens of... of- of listeners. Listeners. <laughs> Tens of people yeah. <laughs> had their faces melted off today, and no one knows why. No one knows why, except yeah. one man. Yeah. And he won't say anything because it's too dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, let me read you this passage, Tanner. It's about Monopoly. It's about your precious Monopoly. Yeah. And so this stood out to me. This is crazy. The, the, like... Why would Anne mention this? So, you want to play a game of Monopoly as soon as Linny and Lou finish their homework, said Karen. I'll go set it up, Hanny replied instantly. I'm going to be purple this time. The Papadakuses have this ancient Monopoly set with colored wooden pieces. Right. Tanner, let me show you a picture of the old Monopoly set with colored... Not an orb. I'm not going to be interested. Oh, it's an orb. Baby pieces. Nation, it's an orb. In <laughs> fact, I'm looking at all the colored pieces, and the one that is distinctly an orb, they're all different shapes. The one that is very distinctly an orb is the purple one. <laughs> <laughs> the rest all kind of look like rolling pins or bowling pins. Yeah. This one is just a stalk with an orb on top of it. <laughs> um, I looked this up, too. Yeah. No known Monopoly strategies about picking the purple peg. Yeah, because it's too fucking dangerous. Oh, you think so? Yeah. Don't play with fire. Most of the uh, board game sites I found yeah. didn't seem to know that Monopoly was ever played with like colored pegs. Yeah, I didn't know either until I went down this particular rabbit hole. Yeah. But what? none of them seem to think that there's any strategy about picking one piece over the other. Yeah. I always pick race car. I always pick top hat. Tom. <laughs> Jack? Yes. Are we worried? Yes. About the fact that Louisa... She prefers Lou. McNally Mm -hmm. goes by Lou. Mm -hmm. Are we worried about that? And Mm -hmm. that Christy recently lost a dog named Louie. Okay. Yes. Now I am worried about that. And she is particularly, let's say, playful with the local animals and pets. Yep. Yep. Stony Brook. But she's mean to cats. And kind of has a natural draw towards Christy. Yes. I'm completely worried about that. Um, it makes a ton of sense. She comes out of nowhere. 
she has, has no, no family. Like, real memory of her past. Yeah. No family. Immediately drawn to Christy. Cruel to cats. Yeah. Particularly Boo Boo. Yeah. Particularly Blue Blue. blue. Boo Boo. <laughs> <laughs> You're trying to sneak some color in there? <laughs> That's a real stretch. Oh, my mistake. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, dude, that's fucking terribly worrying. I mean, I guess it's nice. It's not the first time that a character who has left us Mm -hmm. has potentially been reincarnated in this universe into a character that is new. Yeah. Um, We suspect one of the many theories on the genesis of Emily Michelle. Yeah. Is that she is the reincarnated soul of, of Mimi Yamamoto. Yeah. And maybe Lou, oh, Louisa, so Mc- McNally, is the reincarnated spirit of Louis the dog. Well, in some ways, this is a happy book then. We get to see Louis again. Right. He's um, not in the best of spirits. Yeah. And also, Louis experienced death, and Lou lives like she's dying because she's, she's been there. Yeah, she, she lives knows them. that sensation. Yeah, and she's not going to go back. Not without living life to its fullest. Not without stuffing old boo boo into a pillowcase and just swinging her around. Yeah, and doing this fucking awesome thing that she does at the beginning of the book, where it's kind of an astounding scene. She gets out of the car with her guardian, right? And the Papadakises are like, "Hi, we're your foster parents," and she's like, "Okay." She turns around and just. Walks back to the car, walks over the hood of the car, onto the roof of the car, swings into the window, Grab grabs her, her little suitcase, opens the door and comes out. And is like, here I am. She also claims to know a number of dogs. Oh, yeah. And claims to know, like, sort of inner secrets about those dogs. Wow, yeah. She's like, oh, I know, I knew this dog once whose favorite thing was... Throwing balls in the toilet. Right. She, like, can see into the inner mind of dogs. Almost as if she was a dog. Almost as if she were a dog. Thank you. Herself. Yeah. No, I buy this a lot. And it explains the weird way in which she describes her mysterious father. I wrote down the things that we know about Lou's father. Okay. Like, who is he? Right. Sometimes we'd go for night walks. He taught me about the Big Dipper and Orion. He could hoot like an owl. Sometimes an owl would answer him. So we know that her father goes out at night. Goes at night. Under the full moon. Yeah. And, and just. And howls. And howls. <laughs> and sometimes the creatures of the forest respond to him. Uh huh. <laughs> this is all tracking. <laughs> oh, I've got another one. <laughs> they're ta- playing Monopoly again. <laughs> you about to say they're like fucking like super badass family motto? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're playing Monopoly again. And I think Dawn makes some kind of joke about Monopoly that's like, oh, you're going to have to borrow more from the bank. Right. Some dumb Dawn joke. And then Lou just appears in the doorway and she says, cash only, said Lou in her deep gravelly voice. Never go in debt. No credit. Were those some of the McNally family rules? <laughs> Christy wondered, sadly. So that's what that's what another thing we know about her dad. Right. No credit. You no know credit. who else has no credit? Dogs. Oh, that's true. It <laughs> <laughs> took me a second. It was like Richard Spear. <laughs> right? Yeah. They just they don't go into debt. No. You know? They can't. 
they can't just sign up for they live cards. with with what they have the fur on their back the uh-huh. stars in the sky <laughs> yeah <laughs> i think we really tapped into something here i mean sadly she is taken away from us again at the end of the book yeah uh neither of us got to this in our recap but um oh yeah <laughs> she she and her brother jay are adopted by their deceased father's brother and his wife yeah who are uh, like they both show up and they're like Arf, arf, arf. Yeah. <laughs> and it's Chris just really like, we beautiful. We waited all day for the, these people to show up, but all that showed up was a pack of dogs. <laughs> and Jay and Lou wandered off with them, and we just yeah. let them go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's lovely. Um, but she does get a dog at the end of the book, too, which is very sweet. In fact, it's my... <gasps> <gasps> It's one of like ten different moments I captured because this is a beautiful book. Yeah, it's a sad book. One of them is that she gets a dog. Yeah. Lou looked at Jay and at the puppy and then at the McNallys. At last she found her voice. For me? She whispered. She's all yours, said Jay excitedly. She came from the shelter. She's three months old. And she's getting a new home the same time that we are. I don't even know if Lou heard what Jade said. She sank to her knees, held out her hands, and said in a crooning voice, I'd never hear her use again. Here, puppy. Here, puppy. Seeing someone down on her level, the puppy leaped forward with an excited yip. In another minute, she and Lou were tangled up together, oblivious to the rest of the world. It's gorgeous. Man, I would say the last... 50 pages of these books it was just yeah. like tearful moment after tearful moment for me well that was some, that was why nola thacker needed an extra 50 pages well and also nola thacker like delivered on the jokes in this one yeah she delivered on the jokes she's she's vying equal now with with our boy pete i think she just... might be giving pete a yeah. run for his money yeah also nola thacker yeah seems like a made-up name have we run any algorithms on it <laughs> yes to see whether the Oh, any uh, anagrams? Anagrams on it? That? You wanna? You want me to fire up? The- Ooh! Oh. Ooh! Can you sing the Jack Google song? Because I really like that one. All around us are familiar faces. Jack Googles. Jack Googles. <laughs> it's so beautiful. <laughs> it's so beautiful. All right, while I'm Googling, can I just say that your tearful moment was beautiful, but it also substantiates your dog theory here. Yeah, that was my point. She leaned down and spoke in a voice that Christy had never heard her speak in before. instantly drew the attention of another dog and called that puppy to her, to Lou. Yeah. She speaks dog. Yeah, she obviously speaks dog. All right, hang on. Find anagrams for Nola Thacker. <sighs> Who knows? That just seems like a made-up name, right? Surely. Oh, here's one. Thank Oracle. Like the Matrix. <laughs> Roach Anklet. <laughs> <laughs> I wish the anagram finder would find other names. <laughs> <laughs> Roach Anklet's pretty incredible. <laughs> Don't tell Nola Thacker. Wait, I found another book written by Nola Thacker. It's called The Complete Petrosexual. Uh-huh. Oh, wait, what? 
Here's a book written by Nola Thacker called The Complete Petrosexual. That means somebody who loves dogs. A handbook dogs. of style for the modern dog. <laughs> <laughs> and there's two very handsome dogs on the cover. <laughs> I think Nola might be a dog. <laughs> No wonder so this was sense. so like well informed on like the perspective of humans who were once dogs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's also a nacho talker. What does that mean? It's an anagram for Nolithek. <laughs> <laughs> she could speak to dogs and nachos and Mexican food. Um All right. So it seems like Jack Googles didn't really come up with much. All right, we gotta look into Nolithacker a little bit more in future. She's uh, she's one to keep an eye on. I mean, I like... She's dangerous because she's an excellent writer, and she's good at jokes, and she's good at tearful moments. Yeah. Well, and she's good at weaving in, like, deep mythology and, like, lore about the magic and the flowers and the colors. She's clearly a fan of our show. Yeah, she's clearly a fan of the show. Like, we had, like, what, three different purple orbs that she threw into this particular thing? Right. Clearly a, a Green Lantern fan too. So <laughs> it does seem so. Takes after you know the. Uh, she tech. She's a a woman after your own heart. Right. Okay. Or dog. dog. Can I tell you my tear of moment, Tanner? Please. It's also about a dog. Okay. <laughs> this is a moment after Lou holds Boo Boo aloft in a pillowcase and causes some havoc. Right. And is sent to her room. Right. And we, the loyal followers of Anne and Nola Thacker, are left wondering whether indeed this is the worst kid ever. And Dawn goes into her room and tries to put her arm around her shoulder. Don't touch me, Luke asked. You'll just be nice to me and pretend you like me and then you'll leave me. That's what everyone always does. Even... My dog. Lou almost started crying again, but she dug her fist in her eyes and kept herself from it. You had a dog? asked Don. He was a good dog. He was smart. His name was Jingles. For a moment, Lou's face brightened. He knew all kinds of tricks and everything. He understood what you said to him. Then her face closed up again, but he left. He got out and ran away and never came back, and then our father... She took a deep breath and almost shouted, Died! That evening, back at her house, Dawn called me and told me about the afternoon's events. She's not the worst kid ever, Christy, Dawn told me. She's the saddest. God, it's hitting me again now. (laughs) It's really powerful. I like Lou. Yeah. I like her zest for life. Yeah. I like her... Choice pranks, mostly on Boo Boo. Yeah, she I don't gets love her in animal cruelty. Yeah, it's not my fave. But you know, she's just a misunderstood dog trapped in a human's body. Yeah, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? Yeah, uh, Jackie. <clears throat> yeah. While we're on the topic, mm-hmm. did you have a? <gasps> Good question. Let me look. Let me count how many I had. One, two, three, four, five. Here's the one I want to talk about. Uh, it's to do with the auction. Uh-huh. Cokie Mason and Grace Bloom 
are like super fucking amped about. Did we talk about the auction? Yeah. We said Cookie Mason managed to um, get a local record shop yeah. to donate a three-minute shopping spree. I was thinking about that. Like a three-minute all-you-can-take. CDs, because we're into CD territory now. Yep. Cassettes and LPs. And laser discs. And laser discs. Yeah. All you can take in three minutes. I could take a lot in three minutes. I could take a lot. And, like, I think they expect me to be, like, picking CDs up and looking at them. And no. Like, no, I'm reselling those things. I'm just saying bins. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know what? Here's a good gimmick for that. Like, you get there and you can't, like, you're not allowed, like, a backpack or a cart or anything. You just have to do whatever you can hold. Yeah, like, how many CDs can you hold? Like, probably not more than... I would wear one of those um, wing suits. <laughs> you know that, like, people do, like, base jumping off of? Uh-huh. With, like, the big flappy arms? Yeah. I would wear one of those. Okay. And just really bundle up all the CDs and laser discs I could hold. That's beautiful. You know the last true print of the unaltered original Star Wars trilogy Mm -hmm. was on Laserdisc? Oh, really? I bet they had that there, and that's probably worth millions now. Oh, yeah. That would be a baller move. Saunter in, just grab that. Right. That, like, the last true... Han Shop first Star Wars print right on Laserdisc and just sit in the chair and watch the time tick by for three minutes. Put it on. Yeah. <laughs> watch the opening scroll. <laughs> Put it on. And then everyone would just be like, why did he wear a base jumping suit? <laughs> Listen, I'm what telling are we you. doing? I think I'm telling you my burn. Oh, yeah. So Koki and Grace are pretty amped about their three-minute shopping spree at power records and they're real dingleberries about this and the babysitters seem to have trouble coming up with anything um but eventually they hit on the idea of asking celebrities to send swag swag and sign it uh and it's unclear a lot of the tension in this book comes from like whether in fact the celebrities are going to send the swag right cut to near the end of the book marianne is bringing a jacket into the auction room and Koki and grace walk by oh how sweet (laughs) you're donating your old clothes said Koki. isn't that cute grace not exactly said marianne miss garcia handed marianne her original donation and smiled such a wonderful donation she said Koki interrupted (laughs) it was easy it's all in who you know and of course (laughs) you need to be creative yes dear said Miss Garcia, and that's exactly what Marianne and her friends have done. Logan wandered back to Marianne as Miss Garcia went on. Creative and resourceful, these celebrity donations will be the hit of the auction. As Grace's mouth dropped open and Koki began to turn red and purple. Purple. Rage and compassion. (laughs) And somewhere inside, probably green with envy. The green power of will. I guess Nola Thacker hasn't read up yeah marianne said envy is is orange avarice jealousy envy is normally green that's like gawain and the green knight no it's orange you know who wrote you want to know who wrote gawain and the green knight who the author of gawain and the green knight that's what we call it we don't know we don't know who it was (laughs) this is a riddle that's who is referred to as very not relevant to what we're talking about Marianne said, hey, Koki, you motherfucker. 
She didn't say that. She wouldn't say that. I know, but I need to ramp back up because you cut. You... It's because you stole my fucking savage burn. <laughs> <laughs> well, now you've ruined it for everybody. Good. Marianne was like, hey, Koki, the buck stops here. It's Cam Geary's old clothes, Koki. You see, he donated his jacket from his movie for our auction. Logan couldn't resist adding as he and Marianne left. It's all in who you know, right, Koki? Savage. 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 Here's one of the ones I captured. Yep. The girls are trying to come up with things to donate uh-huh. to the auction. Uh-huh. What about art lessons? Suggested Claudia. I could give art lessons. I could give ballet lessons, said Jesse. I leaned back and I stared up the ceiling thoughtfully. I wonder what Koki Mason and her friends are donating. A little silence followed. Then Stacy said, When you think of some of the past stunts Koki has pulled, Mean lessons, said Marianne. <laughs> then she said, Oops, and covered her mouth. <laughs> that is as close as Marianne could possibly get to a burn. Yeah, it's been 65 books, <laughs> and we've never had a Marianne burn. <laughs> This is the first one. <laughs> this is the first one. And it's like the weakest burn. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was either going to go with the strongest burn. Yeah. Which was Logan saying, it's all on who you know. Yeah. Or the weakest burn, which is Marianne saying, maybe they're giving away mean lessons. lessons. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I feel like she could have done better. I don't think she could have. I don't know. I think that's her best effort. Yeah. Um, Jack. Yeah. I think this has been a... Gigandoli super episode. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Gigandoli? You think it's Gigandoli? I think maybe Gigandoli. I think it's just been super Gigandoli. Gigandoli? Super Gigandoli super. I like this g- episode. I like Gigandoli. Gigandoli? It's been a Gigandoli super episode, Tanner. Gigandoli. Gigandoli. <laughs> Baby Nation, Hanny and Nancy... And the scholastic lawyers, the scholastic lawyers, <laughs> got together, got their heads together this and they, week. They made up a new term, which is G I G U N D O L Y. Gigandoli. Gigandoli. I think gigandoli. Well, so later on, <laughs> Karen says "fabuloso superoso." Okay, which seems Italian. Yeah. Okay. Which is why I think I went towards gigandoli. Okay, gigandoli. Right. Gigandoli. Because okay. it's in the same family as Fabuloso Superoso. Yeah. And the cool thing with Gigandoli is you can pair it with any adjective. Right. Gigandoli Super. Super Gigandoli Super. Gigandoli Garbage. So that's a that's a new one. We'll see if it takes off. Gigandoli. It's not... I would say of Gigandoli that it is not as dibbly a word as distant. Right. But it's not as stale a word as stale. No, it's pretty gigandoli. It's it's fairly gigandoli. It's right there in the middle. Yeah, it's not gigandoli super. No, it's not super gigandoli super either. Yeah, yeah, it's just gigandoli. And it's definitely not fabuloso super. <laughs> not even close. <laughs> Stupid. But we have a new word. Yeah. Which is always exciting. What else you got, bud? Anything tasty? Anything tantalizing for me? Um, they're looking for, Marianne and Donner looking for stuff in the attic for the auction which you shouldn't do in any house where Richard and Sharon Spear are like doing their doing right. their magic yeah yeah uh 
Some of the other things in the attic, like the rickety love seat, were things that Marianne's dad and Don's mom were planning on refinishing and using in their farmhouse. Ooh, yuck. I just so assume very, very careful wording. A rickety love seat? Using? Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what a love seat is. Is it a sex swing? It's a yeah, it's like a it's like a seat with a built-in um hole <laughs> that you make love to. It's something we have here in America. <laughs> I'm a new American yeah, citizen. They're so. very common here in America. <laughs> yeah. Well, and they get sometimes get rickety from overuse. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Makes it all all the better. But the the spears are going to you know they're gonna use it. it. They're gonna <laughs> clean out that hole. Get yourself a brand new love seat. Yeah, they're gonna use it in the farmhouse. <laughs> they're really spreading out, huh? Yeah, yeah. I look. I love that they're happy. You Dawn know, here's a knock on her wall. She opens the, the secret passage, and it's Richard Spear, and he's in like a latex suit. And he's like, "Sorry, we locked ourselves out." <laughs> We were just spending some time with the love seat. We locked ourselves out. We're coming through here. <laughs> you guys can donate it at the school auction after this if you want. <laughs> did you did you capture anything about the um, auctioneer? No. This isn't the auctioneer who comes to Stony Brook to do the auction at uh, Stony Brook Middle School. This is actually an auctioneer that Stacy had had an encounter with. In New York City at an art auction. Oh, yeah. Stacy said her parents took her with them to an auction at an art gallery in the East Village in New York once. People were dressed more like Claudia, including the auctioneer, who had seven pierced earrings. What? All diamonds. One ear. <laughs> seven? Seven. All studded with diamonds, all in one ear. Oh. Odd number. Odd number. Number seven, most important number in the Sitterverse. Asymmetric. Asymmetric. Wow. The auctioneer. That's the a auctioneer. figure. Oh, this is a Brewerian figure. This is a Brewerian figure. The auctioneer. Yeah. I'm excited to learn more about her. Unfortunately, we don't. Not in this book. Not in this book. I mean, Anne's got like another 60 books, 80 70, books. 80, 90. To to weave in the tale of God, the what auctioneer. are we gonna do, man? When we run out of books, I just don't think we're going to. I think we might. You know what the Gilmore guys do? Friends of the podcast, Gilmore guys, best friends of the podcast, fellow Headgum podcasters. Yeah, they've moved on to Bunheads. Oh, I never watched that show. Yeah, ne- oh, I haven't either. But what is it? I think it's about ballet dancers. Okay, so they did Gilmore Girls. Yeah. And then they moved on to something else, huh. and I think they've now moved on to something else, and that something else is bunheads. Well, we could have them on for a Jesse book mm. as ballet yeah. experts. Right. So are they called the Bun Boys now? No, they still call themselves the Gilmore Guys. But when we, move on, when we move on to Sweet Valley High, we're not going to call ourselves like the Sweet Valley Boys. I think we might. <laughs> The Sweet Sweet Valley Boys? That's actually pretty good. Sweet Sweet Valley Boys is very good. <laughs> Jesse and the Bad Babysitter. Should we call the dudes now? 
Yeah, let's call the Bun Boys. Let's call the Bun Boys. <laughs> let's call the Bun Boys and be like, listen, Bun Boys, it's your friends, the Sweet Sweet Valley Boys. boys. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we're all boys here. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to anyway? Do you want to read Jesse and the Bad Babysitter? With now us? that we're Headgum Podcast partners together, <laughs> you're kind of obligated to come on our show. Yeah, you really have to. <laughs> and listen, we'll listen to one of your bunhead things, <laughs> whatever that is. Perverts. Look, buns are very important to us. Bread <laughs> yeah. is something that very symbolic. Is deeply symbolic in our in our arc in our narrative. <laughs> You know what you're supposed to say to me? You're supposed to say, Jack. Jack. Yep. It was a pleasure being with you here tonight. I think you said. Our last record mm-hmm. here in this sanctified space. Never again will I record with the Sunray. Never again will I record with Tomoyo, our beautiful angel with broken wings, living doll who watches over our records. And never again will you record with me, Jack Shepard. Not concerned about that. Next time we record, yeah. you're going to be in Austin. Yeah. I'm going to be here in New York. For the foreseeable future, when we record, you're going to be in Austin. I'm going to be in New York. Yep. Hate it. Mm, I don't love it either. But we're going to make it work. We're going to make it work. Because we love Baby Nation. We love Baby Nation. And Baby Nation, if you love us, mm-hmm. you will go to iTunes right now. Mm-hmm. You will not hesitate. You will rate. You will review. And you'll subscribe to our show. Yeah. When you're done doing that, assuming you have already done that, mm-hmm. you will go and tell one of your closest friends to listen to our show. Yeah. These are your orders. And then you execute. Will execute. Baby Nation, this week we read Christy and The Worst Kid Ever. Next week we are reading Babysitter's Club number 63, Claudia's Free Aunt. Check that. Claudia's friend. Tanner, I want to do something since it's our last record in this house. Okay. I'm going to let you say it. <sighs> Baby Nation. <laughs> Claudia's... <laughs> Claudia's wearing a book. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, I'm just so nervous. Claudia's wearing a uh, Claudia's wearing a bra now. In the way you, you, you just, deep Claudia's breath. deep breath, deep breath, deep breath. <sighs> Claudia is wearing a bra now, and the way she talks, you would think that boys had just been. <sighs> Baby Nation. You are looking at the proud new owner of a very cool hat from Thunderbird Cafe. Is that right? Yeah. Do you think that they can see you? God, if only they could. <laughs> it would explain. Because I look very cool in this hat. Explain a lot about how you behave on this podcast. All right. All right. All right. Say something loud. My name is Tanner. Okay, My not friends that. call me T. Not that. Not young, that. Hungry young right, dog. I'm stopping. I'm stopping. That was a headgum podcast. <laughs>